This is a Texas Poets Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Soros. Each month, we interview a well-known Texas poet to learn about the writing of poetry, the poetic landscape of Texas, and a poem written by another Texas poet. Today's program features Nathan Brown. He's an author, songwriter, and award-winning poet from Wimberley, Texas. Nathan holds a Ph.D. in English and journalism, but mostly travels, performing readings and concerts, as well as speaking and leading workshops in schools, libraries, and community organizations on creativity and creative writing. He also served as Poet Laureate of Oklahoma from 2013 to 2014. Nathan has published 11 books. Most recent is To Sing Hallucinated, First Thoughts on Last Words. Karma Crisis, New and Selected Poems, was a finalist for the 2013 Patterson Poetry Prize and the Oklahoma Book Award. His earlier book, Two Tables Over, won the 2009 Oklahoma Book Award. He has two Pushcart Prize nominations, and his CD of all original songs, Gypsy Moon, came out in 2011. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Stephen. Nathan, each month we invite our guest poet to talk about a poem by another Texas poet. What poem have you chosen? I have chosen the poem Temperance by Alan Barreca, who is a, a he's a great friend of mine, and I I just and I think a Texas treasure when it comes to the poetry landscape here. Okay. Um, let's listen now as Alan Barreca reads Temperance. Temperance. Each year come Ash Wednesday, my father swore off the sauce. Cold turkey for forty days and forty nights of self-willed sobriety. Our family's life slid slowly off its hard edge. Each night my parents watched over my bedside Latin prayers. Finished, I'd climb into bed and fall asleep, counting down the days until Jesus would rise from the tomb and the bottle would descend from the unlocked cupboard again. Tell us briefly what intrigued you about this poem, would you? Well, it's, it's a couple of things. One is the similarities that Alan and I uh, have in our backgrounds with organized religion, uh, for better or for worse, uh, and, and often to the extremes. Uh, but he, um, he, what I loved in this poem was how much of his growing up inside uh, the, you know, the Catholic uh, traditions, how much of it he embodies in such a short poem. It just it truly fascinated me uh, because I'm, I'm quite taken with brevity. I'm, I'm fascinated by um, how much we can pack into a small space. And this poem just uh, nails it on, on every count for me. I've read that you like poems that achieve power from brevity. Uh, that phrasing struck me. I, th- I think uh, it's a good way to talk about poems that achieve what this poem achieves. Yes, I, you know, it, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I want to avoid a, disc- uh, you know, a discussion on the, sh- the shrinking attention span of the <laughs> average American, Be- I, because and I don't want it to sound like, well, this is what we've got to do in order to, but in, in a world just full of noise and information, much of it useless, uh, coming at us all the time and from every direction, 
Um, really great, really short poems have a way of punching through the noise. And recognizing the power and responsibility in that, I'm just, I'm always looking, uh, you know, for the, the great poem that accomplishes it. And, and Alan uh, does it very well in that poem. And short poems, uh, they're not a recent development. Uh, haiku has been around for a long time and uh, much respected. Very much so, yes. And, and, and much of Sappho's work, uh, even, was, was very brief. These very brief snippets that we have. Uh, some of them may have been even been pieces of poems, but I'm not sure all of that mystery has been unraveled. Uh, but the art of brevity goes does go way back. I was interested in the way this poem gives away uh, the point from the very beginning. Uh, I was wondering if there would be a development by the end, some kind of um, interesting turn, uh, an unexpected, surprising turn. And um, it's almost as if we get the opposite here. Even uh, the the very beginning, each, each year. Um, so the title Temperance makes us think about what it means uh, uh, to uh, be self-regulated. And yet right at the very beginning, with the phrasing, each year come Ash Wednesday, we realize, or very quickly realize, that uh, this, uh, this didn't work. The, the old man's self-willed sobriety didn't get him very far. Right. And, and it is, it's, you know, he, he really does. And I, I do think, um, you know, that it is, to me, one of the marks of the short poem is that it it just comes right out swinging you know there's no <laughs> uh there's no wasted space on uh you know unneeded description detail blah you know he he just he comes right out of the gate and uh, and lets us have it and i um i you know and so it does come down you know th- but this idea when we get to the end of you know the day down the days until Jesus would rise from the tomb and the bottle would descend. Um, just the idea of Jesus and the bottle passing each other on their way <laughs> um, is, it, to me, is uh, just only one of, of several really subtle, incredible movements and actions and, and things that happen in this really short space. For me, that's the best part of the poem. I just love that image where we have an inversion of those two movements. Oh, I, yes. It's, it's truly amazing. And, and, I, uh, and, and even the fact that he made it the unlocked cupboard, and the last word is again, which plays back to what you said earlier, it, it just doesn't work. <laughs> yes. So and, uh, yeah. there's no surprise development in this family life, but... Uh, Bereka surprises us with this amazing image at the end of the uh, bottle descending as Jesus ascends. Yes, and you know it's it's very interesting to me that whenever Alan and I talk about this poem, but also a lot of the times that he treats religion as a topic or spirituality, that for him this was a humorous poem, not not exclusively or or only, but for him it was a humorous poem. And I think most people will see 
mostly a sadness. But I think, you know, this plays in into very well, I think, Twain's, you know, the, the basis of all humor or the background of all humor, I'm not quoting him exactly, is tragedy. You know, that, that, tra- you know, that tragedy is where humor comes from, and it's how we deal with life. And so it's just fascinating to me that Alan sees this as a somewhat humorous poem when there is this tremendous sort of sadness and tra- tragedy kind of floating uh, beneath the surface, and I think I think great great art just does have the two swirling around each other um, all the time. Do you think the title is cynical? You know, I I really don't. It, <laughs> it's interesting, but that's a great question. Wow, you took me with that one. And I, what I would say is that it's very Alan Barreca, and, and so. I, there's a, you know, there's an extent to which we always want works of art to stand on their own, and yet, you know, when we get to know an artist, their work begins to take on, you know, more texture, more depth, and I think that, you know, Alan has, I think it's three books and a chat book out so far. Um, the, the the more Alan Bereka you read, uh, the more that title is just right on target. And and I, I don't view it as, as cynical. Alan, I don't view as a, as a cynical guy. I see him as brutally honest and uh, trying to keep his uh, sense of humor about it. So he's honest and taking a humorous approach, but he, he doesn't push it so far as to be cynical. Is that what you're saying? I Yes, ab- absolutely. Uh, I, I think that he does that quite a bit in his work. And he but I mean, we all. But I, I do think that anyone who has their eyes severely on the world, which I, I think is definitely a part of the poet's job description, <laughs> we could say, yes, um, is is going to struggle with cynicism. So then, at least after the first uh, couple years of of this happening, um, uh, when he prays. At bedside, does he realize that it's not going to do any good, and that the bottle will come down again? Yeah, I I think that even as a kid, he he recognizes that it's his first full book, the comic flaw, and he has a poem in this book called uh, "Lessons on Power," where the opening couple few lines here are. Each night, by my parents' command, I prayed to a plastic Jesus who hung on a three-inch wooden cross. His size hid his pain. Um, and the rest of the poem is just as fantastic. But wow, there is so <laughs> that's a, so much there. A very interesting connection with this poem because yeah. uh, here too, each night my parents watched over my bedside. Uh, as he did his prayers, so uh, he was uh, praying under duress, perhaps. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's a it's a recurring you know theme, and it's uh, and it's it's again it's one of those. I grew up in the in the Southern Baptist tradition, and I'm actually even a preacher's kid. And so I, you know, I promise you, Alan and I, we've had lengthy uh, talks uh, <laughs> about the effect of you know these cultures 
of, on, a, on a young child. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Nathan, apart from Alan Barreca, is there another Texas poet you happen to be reading right now that you'd like to recommend? Well, this, you know, this is, a, this is a really tough question for me at, at the moment, uh, because I'm currently uh, one of the three judges for the uh, Texas Institute of Letters uh, Poetry Prize. Um, that we'll be deciding on very soon. So I'm I'm reading such an incredible number of Texas poets at the moment <laughs> that it's a that is kind of a tough question. I have always been a big fan of Jerry Bradley, who I know has been featured um, on this podcast already. Yes, he has actually. And um, I would be so afraid to start mentioning names because then I would just offend the people that I don't mention. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you that on the level of poets who have had a major impact on me, um, that I just, that I, by every book he puts out, no matter what, sight unseen. Nathan, we also want to ask you to read one of your own short poems for us. Okay. Well, I chose, what I tried to do is I tried to locate a poem uh, of, of equal brevity, uh, maybe we might say to Alan's, um, but that also tells a little bit about my very similar journey. So uh, this is a poem uh, from a book that came out uh, a couple of years ago called Less is More, More or Less, um, and it's a short piece called Faith. Faith, the size of a mustard seed. That's all it takes, Jesus said. All you need, said Mrs. Morton, a fourth-grade Sunday school teacher. And after all these errant years, several lost decades' worth, I still stare at mountains, waiting, half-crazed, for any sign of movement. Thank you. I really liked the way you selected a poem of your own that engages with Barakas by way of inversion. At least that's how I see the two working together. He presents a persona who perhaps even as a child had no faith. You present a persona who learned faith as a child and persists as an adult to have faith notwithstanding years of struggle. Does that work for you? Yes, it does, actually. And I and I think Alan's struggle has been you know, equally, uh, you know, difficult or, you know, e- equally strenuous, uh, you know, to mine. And, but it is, def- that's a definite, um, you know, firm and clear way of putting it. Yeah. Well, I was uh, paying close attention to your voice and your, your modulation and intonation. So um, that helped me be confident of of my interpretation. <laughs> well, it it is it's on target. Okay. Well, we'll have to leave it at that for now. It's been such a pleasure to visit with you today, Nathan. I look forward to reading more of your work. I understand you have a book coming out later this spring, do you? Uh yes, I do. Uh, it's called My Salvaged Heart. And that's published by It's on Mescalita Press. And, uh, and should be out by March or April. Okay, great. This has been a Texas Poets Podcast featuring Nathan Brown discussing a poem by Alan Barreca. 
Texas Poets Podcast is the creation of Terry Jude Miller and is produced by Ann McCready at InspiritTree.com with creative support from Texas Poet Laureate Carla K. Morton. The music for this show was performed by Ed and Mim Freita. Additional support is provided by Texas Christian University. Our website is TexasPoetsPodcast.com. We welcome donations. The address for contributions is on our website. I'm your host, Stephen Soros. Join us each month for a new podcast in the Texas Poets Podcast series to learn more about the poets of Texas.